0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I am your host, Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I'm actually on location, folks. I'm on vacation on location here in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Beautiful weather. Great day, but you know what I said? I'm still going to do my show. Now, this week, keep in mind, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that's going to be the rotation for the foreseeable future. So those of you that listened to let's ride Monday through Friday last week, I appreciate the good vibes. I got a lot of good feedback from Twitter and people on social media this week. We're going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday will be shows by Dave Schofield and Brian Anthony Davis. So you'll have to check those out as well. I hope you had a great weekend. I know I did. And I'm ready to talk about some Steelers football. I was thinking about what to really do on this Monday show. And I was looking through the site and I, I noticed it was an article written by our boy, Michael Beck. You can check him out on our PM shows, the live Mike and Beck in black. He does a great job for the site and he wrote an article about Ryan Switzer and it was, was Ryan Switzer going to be able to sense, you know, silence the doubters, so to speak. And I thought to myself, the wide receiving core you know, the, the Switzer question turned into questions about just, <clears throat> excuse me, in general, the wide receivers for this dealers on paper. They are a very good group, maybe even borderline great group. And the reason for that, I mean, a lot of reasons is that the Steelers are typically known as a wide receiver factory. We all know this. You think about the Kevin Colbert era. This is obviously before Mike Tomlin, but it's still the Kevin Colbert era. He had receivers like Heinz Ward, Plexico Burris, Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown. Emmanuel Sanders, Juju Smith Schuster, most recently, some might even throw Deontay Johnson in that category, but these are all receivers that were drafted by Pittsburgh turned into really good players, whether they were with the Steelers for their entire career. Obviously the majority of these that I just named have not been, but they were the ones that brought these players into the national football league. They're known for their receivers they know how to draft receivers for everyone that says the Steelers don't know how to draft positions like cornerback. They know how to draft receivers and and to to me, in my opinion. Okay. So they might not draft well with a defensive back position. I trust them a hundred percent and every day and twice on Sunday when it comes to drafting receivers. But the question that I came up with is, does this wide receiving core kind of lead to a false sense of security entering 2020. I think that because since Antonio Brown left, the Steelers got the third round and the fifth round pick as he went to Oakland, Oakland at the time. That's not a mistake. They were the Oakland Raiders at the time. Have they completely recovered from that? Because Antonio Brown was a generational talent. You might hate him. You might say that I shouldn't even be saying his name on this show, but you cannot dispute the fact that he is and was a generational talent. He did things while in Pittsburgh that have never been done before, period. Have they completely recovered from Brown leaving? That is a question that in my opinion has not been answered yet. Sure. You're looking at this group, you're looking at this wide receiver core and you're saying, you know what? They're pretty good. This group is pretty good but have they recovered from losing a superstar? I don't know. I will tell you this. I do not. I repeat, I do not think that Ben Roethlisberger being back and being in the lineup, whether it's 75% or whether that's 100%, it does not matter. But just Roethlisberger being back does not equate to a complete 180 for the offense in the passing game. Now, in case you forgot, and I I don't blame you for forgetting 2019 from an offensive standpoint, but in case you forgot, the Steelers averaged just north of 18 points per game and they never once hit 30 points. Not averaging 30 points, it's they never even hit 30 points once in 2019. We all know that that was the year that Ben Roethlisberger went down in week two, the home game against Seattle. Mason Rudolph took over. Mason Rudolph got hurt. Devlin Hodges comes in. Mason Rudolph's ineffective. Devlin Hodges returns. Devlin Hodges is ineffective. And Mason Rudolph comes back only to get hurt again. That was the year. That was the year that was for a quarterback in the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2019. But again, I do not think as good as Ben Roethlisberger is I do not think that Roethlisberger just stepping back into the lineup and saying, hey guys, it's me, I'm back, is going to be good enough for the Pittsburgh Steelers' wide receiving core to just blossom and become one of the best in the league. I just don't see it. I don't see it. There's too many things that can go wrong, and there's too many question marks when you look at this group overall. So first and foremost, let's take a look At who makes the team. So before we get into the logistics of the wide receiving core, the differences between these players, the expectations for these players, first and foremost, let's see who is going to make the roster. Now, these are just predictions. This is just me giving my own personal opinion that this is who I think are locks to make the team, that there is no way barring them getting arrested, doing something unbelievably stupid that they would not make the team. Those would be Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and Chase Claypool. They are all locks. Juju Smith-Schuster is the most veteran receiver on the team. Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, is a budding superstar. James Washington is entering his third year and Chase Claypool is a rookie. However, even with those four players, I look at this group and say, I'm not so sure that these, if this is the core nucleus, that this is the the best nucleus. But first, before we get into all of those and start talking about individual players, let me say that the next question that you have to answer is how many receivers do you think the Steelers will keep on their roster? Typically it's five or six. Now I just named you four names. So at least two spots available. So you have players like Dion Kane, Saeed Blacknell, Amar Darbo, uh, and then Ryan Switzer. All players are players that are going to be vying for those final two spots. Ryan Switzer gets a ton of hate from the Steelers fan base. And I have to be honest, when he was in college, he went to North Carolina I remember watching a couple cut-ups of him as he entered the NFL draft, and I said to several people, I really like this guy. I think he's a really good slot cornerback, can be really effective. I just don't think the Steelers have a need for him because they have a guy named Antonio Brown, and they had several other receivers at the time that they they didn't have a need for Ryan Switzer. When they picked up Switzer, I thought it was a great move. I liked it. I thought he was going to add not only special teams capabilities, but also... He could be a really good slot cornerback. Now, I don't know if it was him or if it was the style of the offense or the system itself, but it just hasn't worked out yet. I say yet because for me, I think that there still is potential there. That's a dangerous word. I'll get into that later, but I still think there is potential there with Ryan Switzer. People love to talk about the relationship that he has with Roethlisberger off the field, these guys trained together. Ben was throwing to him well before he threw with anyone else. And a lot of people say that Ben's boys make the team. Well, we'll see, but I think that that's not, it's, he's not a lock. I'll put it that way. But I think he has a really good, a really good inside edge to make the team. And so let's assume that they're going to keep six receivers. So if Switzer is five. Who's the sixth? Dion Kane's a player they picked up off the uh, practice squad last year. From the I'm sorry, the Indianapolis Colts, now the Colts fans were really upset that they lost Kane. They thought that he had a ton of potential, they thought that he could be a really, really good receiver for them. The Steelers pick him up, and lo and behold, when he got an opportunity in two thousand nineteen, he made the best of it. It wasn't always interception. there were several times that he got deep, he got behind the receiver, he drew a flag is as, as ugly as it is sometimes it's an it's a positive play for the offense. He did that a lot. He was able to produce in some way shape or form for the offense. I like him now. The question that you have with all three of these players, Kane, Blacknell and Darbo is how effective are they on special teams? Because let's be honest, if they're going to see the, the field as a receiver, it's not going to be often. And so even when you throw in Switzer, it comes down to who is going to be the better special teams player. Who's going to provide more value on special teams? So if Deion Kane could be the gunner opposite of Justin Lane on kickoffs and punts, he has then solidified his spot, in my opinion, on the Steelers roster, because that's that's value, period. Because if he's only going to get maybe 10 to 15 snaps on offense, he's going to see equal that on special teams. And that's where he's going to provide the biggest impact is on special teams. So Dion Kane, in my opinion, has the inside edge over Blacknell and Darbo. Even though Darbo finished the season on the 53-man roster last year, I think that Kane is the guy. So that would mean, before we go into our first break, that in my estimation, in my prediction, the Steelers receivers will be Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deion Kane, and Ryan Switzer. Like it or not, that's who I have as the team's six wide receivers entering the 2020 season. There's a lot to discuss about this group. A lot to discuss about this group, not necessarily bad, but there's a lot to break down because let's let's go back to the title of this episode does the Steelers wide receivers core provide a little bit of a false sense of security hmm when you think about it we'll see we'll talk it out we'll be back right after this break <laughs> All right, Steeler fans, we're back. Jeff Hartman here, your host on Let's Ride, Monday edition talking about Steelers wide receivers. And we already talked about the last segment, in case you were not paying attention, the six wide receivers that I predict will make the Steelers roster. That would be Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deion Kane, and Ryan Switzer. The first thing that gives me a a sense of pause, so to speak, when it comes to these six individuals, Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deion Kane, all of them are on their first contract in the National Football League, at least within their first four years. Juju, Deontay, James Washington, and Claypool are all on their rookie contracts. Deion Kane, he's had multiple contracts because he, but he's still in his first four years in the league. Same with Switzer, because Switzer was drafted got traded, got traded again. Now he's in Pittsburgh. These guys are extremely young. And when you're talking about Juju Smith-Schuster being the elder statesman of a position group, well, that should open your eyes in terms of these are inexperienced players. There's not a veteran among them. That does not mean that it's going to end badly. That does not mean that they're incapable of actually going out there and making positive plays. It just goes to show you that when you're looking at a position group and you're trying to figure out how good or bad is this group going to be, sometimes you lean on veteran experience and they simply don't have that. Now Juju Smith Schuster has played a ton in his first four years in the National Football League. He's entering year four, but he's played a ton, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that you get after you get that big second contract, and he has yet to do that. So that's the first thing that makes me kind of pump the brakes a little bit with this position group, the wide receivers. I actually like this group, but are they as complete as advertised? I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know. I'm not so sure if they're as complete as everyone thinks. Deontay Johnson is unbelievably shifty. On the Steelers preview on Thursday night, you can check that out on our podcast platform, I was talking with Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield, and we were talking about who do we compare Deontay Johnson to? Antonio Brown? Someone in the live chat actually said Santonio Holmes. I think it's kind of a a meshing of of the two. I think that he has the route running of Antonio Brown, but when he gets the ball in space, he is slippery, and that is a lot that's very much like Santonio Holmes. Santonio Holmes' biggest play he ever made was in Super Bowl forty three, where he obviously got the feet down in the back corner of the end zone against the Arizona Cardinals. But at the same time, when you put the ball, give him the ball in space, he was able to really make people miss. Uh, And that's something that Deontay Johnson does extremely well. Juju Smith-Schuster is coming off his worst season as a pro, but he was also injury plagued and he didn't have a very good quarterback throwing him the football either. James Washington. uh, I like this guy. I think he's a good worker. He is a, he's a team first player. But I have yet to see him do anything really positive with Ben Roethlisberger a quarterback. Every time that he made a play, it seemed like it was always coming from Mason Rudolph or even De- or even Devlin Hodges. So I will be really curious, and I'll be watching closely to see if James Washington and Roethlisberger can get a little bit more cohesive, a cohesive relationship together before the 2020 season starts. And we're not going to see a preseason, so we're not going to get to see that actually on television. But at the same time, we are going to be able to hopefully get reports and see film of these two players are seeming to find each other well. That's, that's what everyone should want to see from a Steelers fan standpoint. Now, when you look at Deion Kane, Ryan Switzer, again, they each have to have their own niche within the offense, but at the same time, expectations are low. I'm not expecting either of these guys to make a ton of big plays. Then you go to Chase Claypool, the rookie, second round pick, the team's top over top pick of the 2020 NFL draft, and you're asking yourself, what are the expectations on him? I mean, what are the expectations? You have really lofty expectations for Juju and Deontay Johnson, but what are the expectations for Claypool? Here's a guy that comes from Notre Dame. He's big, 6'4, 230 plus, runs like a four, four forty, I mean, the general guys that big should not move that fast in my opinion, but at the same time, he's like a tight end that has the speed and agility of a receiver. How are they going to utilize him just in the red zone? Or are they actually going to put him out wide and, and let him use his size, speed, physicality to actually try to take the top off a of defense? That, that, that's something that no one really knows yet what to expect from Chase Claypool. But as you can see, as you go through all those, you know, Juju with the injuries last year, Deontay Johnson, still really young. Washington and in the in, in the Roethlisberger connection, which always seems a little off. Claypool's a rookie. Kane and Switzer only really having their own unique roles. Man, there's a lot of questions here. There's a lot of questions. Are they as complete as advertised? I'm not sure. Now, this wide receiving core has all the potential in the world. And I've said it before on all these podcasts, all across our platform, potential, in my opinion, is a very dangerous word. I used to say this as a coach to my team, and that was when you are filled with potential, it's you have, you have to live up to that potential or, or else you're never going to reach your expectations that you have for each other. So when I look at this wide receiving core, yeah, a ton of potential, but I could also see it going south really quick. On Thursday's preview, Dave Schofield, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, said it best. He said, "This wide receiving core can withstand one injury, so you could take any of the any of the players here that were named, and if one of them got hurt, they'd be fine. But if two were to get hurt, now you're you're talking about devastating it devastating situation along the wide receiving core. So let's say that Juju Smith Schuster rolls an ankle." He's done for a high ankle sprain. He's out for four weeks. Okay, Deontay Johnson will step up. Washington will step up. Claypool, Kane, Switzer, so on and so forth. You just move up the ladder. However, if Washington goes down or if Deontay Johnson goes down along with Juju, that's a different story altogether. That reminds me of 2017 when Antonio Brown was hurt, when they had to rely on Kobe Hamilton in the playoffs. It just was not good enough. Darius Hayward Bay was called into action more than he should have been. Those are the situations that when I look at a wide receiving core or really any player position, any position from top to bottom on the depth chart, I'm looking for how deep is their quality depth. I like the wide receiving core's quality depth, but at the same time, I'm not in love with the fact that if a couple players go down, which is a possibility. How are they going to withstand that? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Now look, injuries are always paramount. The scenario I just laid out with Juju and Deontay Johnson going down, that would be horrible. They're always paramount, but at the same, I don't want to end this thing, end this show on a negative and say that this group, although young and inexperienced, is not going to be as good. I don't think that at all. I think that there might be a false sense of security, which is the title and the headline of this podcast, but that does not mean that I think that they're going to be bad and they're not going to live up to any type of hype that people are putting on them. There's a there's a very stark difference there between a false sense of security, meaning they're already good, they're going to be great, and the rest is just gravy. I'm talking about they're going to have to go out and prove it, but at the same time, when if and when they do, the results could be tremendous. Because for all the negatives that were just that I just went through for this Monday show, great way to start the week, by the way, I think that there's also, you look at the potential there. Think about what this offense would look like with Juju Smith-Schuster, who does his best work from the slot. Keep that in mind. If Deontay Johnson and James Washington are your X and Z receivers, they're on the outside, and Juju is able to run in the slot. I think that is a tremendous setup for success. And that's in a three wide receiver set. Hey, they want to put James Washington off and bring Chase Claypool on. He could do that. You want to bring in Switzer for another slot receiver. This wide receiving core does have options. They are versatile. They do have a ton of potential. I think they could be really exciting to watch. Now, Ben Roethlisberger being back. I did say earlier in the first segment that if just because Ben's back doesn't mean it's going to be a 180 for the offense and the receivers, but you better believe that a player like Deontay Johnson, think about what he did last year as a rookie in 16 games. He had 92 targets, 680, 680 yards, five touchdowns, and had 11.5 yards per reception. Pretty good numbers for a rookie, especially when you think about, it, he only caught passes from Ben Roethlisberger in one game, no receptions that Deontay Johnson had in week two against Seattle came from Ben Roethlisberger. So in th- with that said, you have to ask yourself, what will he be able to do with a future hall of famer throwing him passes in 2020? Would you say that the targets go north of a hundred? I would. Would you say the yards go north of a thousand? I would say that too. Would you say the touchdowns get to double digits? I don't know. Doubling your touchdown numbers is tough, but I think he could get there. I think that Deontay Johnson, if he can stay, stay healthy, will be the key cog for this offense in the passing game. If he can stay healthy, if he can work the middle, if he can get deep, he can do all those things, it's only going to leave Juju Smith-Schuster with more space space to work with. Think back to years one and two with Juju Smith-Schuster. Antonio Brown was a player that the entire defense was destined, bound, and determined to stop. And so what then did Juju Smith-Schuster see? He saw one-on-one coverage. He was able to beat it, abuse it, and then he was able to get big numbers because of it. With Juju and Deontay Johnson on the field together, Deontay Johnson's not just some electrifying rookie he's established himself. People are going to know about him. They're going to try to stop him. And so with that said, you have to say to yourself, who's going to thrive? Who's the defense going to really sell out to stop? Is it going to be Juju? If so, expect Deontay Johnson to explode because he's going to see the one-on-one coverage. If they're going to stop Deontay Johnson the way they used to with Antonio Brown, always sliding a safety over to his side of the field, bracketing with an inside linebacker, essentially putting three defenders responsible for his side of the field. If they do that, then you can expect Juju Smith-Schuster to do well on the opposite side. This is when the Steelers offense is clicking on all cylinders, when they are the ones that are dictating what the defense is going to do. Last season, you didn't see it. The defense was loading the box. They knew they couldn't throw the ball deep. They knew they didn't have a confident quarterback. And they knew all they had to do was stop the run. And then they're playing right into the defense's hands, period, period. You saw that all the time, week in, week out, no matter what, that's what the defense did. And they were able to win 18.8 points per game on average last year for the Steelers offense. That is abysmal. That's a lower tier in the national football league. Never once hitting 30 points. Anyone remember when Todd Haley was the offensive coordinator? Their goal was averaging 30 points per game. Averaging. Now, granted, that was when Le'Veon Bell was absolutely ridiculous. That was when Antonio Brown was at his peak. But still, think about how far this has fallen. Have they replaced? And have they recovered from when Antonio Brown left? I think that entering 2020 is as close to... As close to answering yes to that as you'll see, in my opinion. They still have to go out and produce, but on paper, I think that this is the most complete wide-receiving core they've had since Antonio Brown decided to talk his way out of Pittsburgh. They trade him to the Oakland Raiders for a third and fifth-round pick. He talks his way out of Oakland, gets to New England, and he's out of the football, period. He's trying to get back, but he's out of the game. I think this 2020 wide-receiving roster depth chart is as close to recover from that move and losing a generational talent as they've had thus far. But this wide receiving core is a lot to prove. And that can be that false sense of security that I talked about at the beginning of the show. So we'll see how that pans out. There's a lot of camp battles to keep out, to keep a lookout for. I'm going to be talking about those camp battles by the end of the week. Make sure you check out that show. We will be talking about some wide receivers. Don't forget The Let's Ride program is only Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. Tuesday, Thursday, you'll have either Dave Schofield or Brian Anthony Davis. And don't forget to check out our PM podcast, whether it's the Steelers Q&A, the Scobro Show, the Steelers Preview on Thursday, Beck and Black on Wednesday, forgot that one, and the live mic on Friday. All of these can be found on our audio platforms, which you can find anywhere that you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, you name it. If you listen on iTunes, we ask, give us a five-star rating if you like the content and also give us a good comment. Really, really appreciate that. It helps with our exposure. And if you're listening on somewhere like Spotify, follow the show, follow the channel. That way you never miss out on one of our podcasts because we're putting out three a day, one in the morning. And then our PM shows get broken down into two parts, part one and part two. This way you don't miss out on a thing. It's hard to believe. We're only a week away from actual padded practices. That's when, in my opinion, the real training camp starts. And it's time to get ready. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop, not just for podcasts, but for film breakdowns, analysis, commentary. We have it all for you. Breaking news, we got you. Check it out. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I'm Jeff Hartman. Thanks for listening to this Monday edition of Let's Ride. We'll see you on Wednesday. Take it easy.